Marriage on a Tightrope supports couples in strengthening their mixed-faith marriage. Visit tightropemarriage.org to make a recurring donation and learn more about the mixed-faith community. Hi everyone, Alan here. On this episode, Katie and I interview Colton and Rochelle Baines. About midway through the interview, we found out that they plan on sending this episode to their families and friends as a way to explain their situation as a mixed-faith couple. This is the first these friends and family will have heard of this. This is a scary, vulnerable, and brave thing for them to do. If you're a loved one of Colton and Rochelle, welcome to Marriage on a Tightrope. We love chatting with your son, daughter, sister, friend, brother. We know this is a difficult experience for you too. We hope you can listen with empathetic ears and reach out to Colton and Rochelle with love and understanding. And don't shut off the podcast right as the interview is ending because... Colton and especially Rochelle put something very special for us together. They sang our theme song, Colton on guitar and Rochelle on vocals. Enjoy the interview, enjoy the music, and thanks for listening. Hello and welcome to another episode of Marriage on a Tightrope. I'm Alan. And I'm Katie. And we're still married. Today is so fun because we are uh, excited to welcome on Colton and Rochelle Baines. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for, for coming. We're, we're really looking forward to getting to know. I think out of, this is our fifth interview, and out of the five interviews we've done, this is the most blind we're walking into an interview. We don't know much about your story at all, so we would, we're really excited to get to know it. No Facebook stalking? No, not a lot of Facebook stalking at the, at the time. I'm not on Facebook. Katie's so not even I on Facebook. That. That's right, yeah. Just uh, but yeah. Katie, any, do you have any announcements before we get started? I I don't. Okay, just do wondering. I don't know. Oh, well, I think, maybe we could do it at no, towards the end. This is where he wants me end. to. This is where he wants me to mention that we won best new podcast for the Birdie Award, and I could care less. I was not even. That is what he was looking that. for. No way. Yeah, I was. Yay! <laughs> <Congrats>. <laughs> it totally was. So thanks for all those that voted. Yeah, thanks for the support. If you voted more than once, shame on you, and thank you. Okay, we have a Facebook page up now that Alan's running. So if you would like to join our Marriage on a Tightrope Facebook page, of course, we're on Instagram. We are in California from March 19th to April 1st. Mm. So we have had a few people reach out. If you are in California, we'd love to meet up with you. But let's move on with the, yes. with the interview. Time to talk to the Baineses. So I'll start. Sure. Let's ask them, tell us why you wanted to come on as a couple to talk about where you're at with your faith. Are you crazy or something? <laughs> <laughs> of course. A lot of people would probably say so. Yeah. <laughs> so I think the biggest thing is when this all started for us, it was hugely instrumental finding people that have had similar experiences. There's just something about knowing that people are going through what you're going through. And there's, there's a sort of support there, even if you don't know them, it's just nice to know that somebody is, is having your experience or that they've been through it and they've made it and that you can do it, you know? And so I think for us, like not to toot our own horns or anything, but we feel like we've navigated this as well as it could be navigated. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, there's no, there's no way to approach this knowing what you're getting into. You know, we're pretty early on into all of this and we feel like we've done fairly well. And so we were just, we just felt first and foremost, like if we can add our voices to the mix and have other people feel like they are able to get some sort of support or something out of it, then fantastic. And the other thing as well is we also just wanted a platform to be able to share our story and where we are with family and friends. It's really hard to navigate all of this period. Uh And uh, it's really hard to tell the story over and over and over and over again. And you find yourself more often than not. And we both have experienced so many occasions where you're talking with somebody and they bring something up that could lead into the conversation of where you are. And you're just like, I don't know where to go from here. Uh-huh. Do I dive right in? Do I want to explain myself a hundred times? Right. So it's kind of a twofold, I think, for us is to to hopefully support some people out there and then also to use it as a platform to share where we are. So who knows right now where you're at? 
So the only people that know kind of where we are, um, so I am the non-believer at this point. Rochelle is the TBM or the, the <laughs> believer. <laughs> um, right, right. So uh, the only people that know are my parents, um, and we live fairly close in proximity with them. We see them on occasion, not super often. We don't, even though we live close by, we maybe see them, you know, once a month a or months. once every couple months. Yeah. yeah, it's not very often, but um, it, enough that I I didn't feel comfortable with them not knowing where I stood on some things, and so I felt like I needed to share it with them. And then uh, our bishop knows. And that I just kind of felt obligated to let him know where I was at because uh, as we all know in the church, well, there's people that count on you for things, even if it's the smallest things. I felt like out of respect, it was important for me to let them know why I wouldn't maybe be participating or they might not see me as much or why I might not be fulfilling certain duties and obligations like I normally would. Awesome. How long has it been if there was a starting point of kind of the transition for you, where, where would that be for you? How, how many months, years, days ago? <laughs> yeah, six so months. almost six months. It's actually, um, it's really good because this all kind of came about right when the church released the saints book. Mm-hmm. So whenever I'm trying to, as you guys, I'm sure know, and anybody that's been through this scenario knows, it's really hard to piece together the timeline of like those first couple mm-hmm. months. Like right. it's such a whirlwind. Um, but at the very least, I know that it was right as as that was releasing was kind of gotcha. the time frame. So September, early September. Two things, and then <clears throat> we'll get right to it. The first thing is the fact that it's, very fresh um, is refreshing uh, that you're so willing to to talk both of you and Rochelle will get to you here in just a second, but um, because you know, something that's easy for Katie and I to forget is, is um, it's been almost two years for us now and the emotions don't run as hot, but there are people that discover whether it's this podcast or just enter into this world every day and the emotions run very hot and it's traumatic and it's difficult. So having someone that is experiencing it right now um, is, is great for them. And that's, that's why we're so excited to have you here. Yeah. Um, I said there were two things, but I can't remember the second one. So I'll just, I'll just <laughs> well, move on from that. Well, I think the second one, let's just move right into your story because Rochelle, like, why don't you go ahead and take us, um, tell us a little bit about yourselves how you got together, um, how long you've been married. Just give us some background on, on how you guys came to be. Colton and I met in Singles Ward. He had, I had been off my mission for a couple years, and he had just arrived home from his mission. And, um, of course, I thought, oh, he's just a young little pup, not <laughs> worth my time. And <laughs> a young pup, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I was the family home evening coordinator person, mother. I think that's what people called me. It was a very big ward, about 50 people every week. My goal in coordinating these activities were to basically see people's true colors. That sounds horrible to say it she like that. She used it as a platform to kind of determine who was Who's worth, worth dating. Who was, who was date worthy. <laughs> hey, that is not a bad thing. Hey, I mean, when you're in singles ward, <laughs> everybody them out. Through your motives, well, right? That's so right. you might as well seek the truth from people. That's right. Their personalities. Um, and so Colton got home from his mission in, in October of some year. 2010. Okay. I... It's obviously Halloween time, and um, so my activities um, centered around Halloween activities, and I had an activity that was shrunken apple heads. Have you guys ever tried that before? Uh-uh. No. What is that? So you take an apple, and um, you, you carve, carve it like, it a, like pumpkin. a pumpkin. Oh, cool. Put it on a stick, put some fluid on it so it doesn't mold, and it shrivels up like an old lady or an old man. It's actually quite cute and really fun, um, but I did this activity specifically so I could uh, see people's creative talents. And my husband at the time was sitting there at a table using a toothpick to put nostrils in this apple. 
for nose and some cheekbones and even it probably helps to say I have a <laughs> very artistic background. Yes, he's <laughs> talented. So everybody had finished, and I was sitting there like an hour later, just trying to put still, hair on still, an and this is just an apple. Like, <laughs> <laughs> brought some apples from an apple tree. Here you guys go. Um, and so that's something that kind of sparked my interest in this young pup, and um, <laughs> young. That's kind of where I saw him and and was intrigued and then we don't need all the i'm details. sorry i'm not very good I'm <laughs> no very, it's oh, it's fine we can it. talk about whatever half of it out i just i'm very nervous so, no, no you're, you're doing great, great. i'm, like, I'm just intrigued that it it was an apple carving activity that won <laughs> you over <laughs> that yeah. stole your heart the funny anyway. thing, i mean i just the funny thing is i can't imagine i the, oh, i can only imagine all these stories with her just like devious little like, wonder, wonder who's and, and next week <laughs> yeah that's kind of. yeah uh long story short there was a uh, haunted house activity and we both attended that and um he needed a ride home so i gave him a ride home and we just talked for hours and kind of never stopped talking ever since and that's kind of where we started our journey yeah yeah, I mean, it was like if you were to cast it in any light, it was a very common singles ward. I don't think it was that common. It was pretty common. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Common doesn't mean not special. It's special. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, it was, it, was, you know, it was special to us. But it's, I mean, you know, we met in singles ward and we dated for, what was it, like seven, eight months? Eight months. Eight, about eight months. And then we got engaged. And then uh, we were engaged for almost three months and got married in July of 2011. All right. You're coming up on eight years. Yeah. Yes. We are. Yeah. Very nice. And now, where was this single ward? Is this in Colorado? In Colorado. Yes. It was. Yeah. So it was the Crowfoot Ward. So same, same area, Parker area. So. Yes. And now we have um, a two-year-old son who is literally the perfect child and I'm I know everyone thinks their child's perfect, but mine really is. No, no. My child is perfect. He's, he's, he's spoiled the us. sweetest little kid yeah, in yeah. the world. We're a little concerned. We have a baby oh, on the way. Yeah, I'm pregnant right now. Oh, congratulations. And thank you. Actually due in July, so we might be celebrating our eighth wedding anniversary in the hospital. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> we are a little bit nervous that Killian, Killian, he's our first, and uh, he really has spoiled us, and we're thinking we're going to get that paid back in full. Yeah. You yeah. might not. I pray not. I hope not, but oh I'm also God. kind of, I'm setting that expectation, so um, we're not surprised. Yeah. Um, this is probably a big-time interview faux pas, but um, I'm going to te tease a question that I'd love you to get into later when we when we get further down the timeline, but... Sure. Um, We've talked to a number of couples that uh, are introducing a child into a new religious dynamic. And that is a very interesting situation for, and can be very conflicting. We're not in that situation. So we're, right. we're done. And so, let's, yeah, let's get to uh, it later. We, I'd love to just tee that up for you yeah. a little bit later when we get there. Um, we'd love to hear a little bit about what conversations we've already had surrounding that, but uh, sure. before we get too uh, ahead of ourselves. So talk a little bit, if you could, Colton, you're in Colorado now. You're married. You got a two-year-old. Uh, what do you do for work? And kind of lead us from the the marriage up to the to the about six months ago. Yeah. So I am a professional student, or at least it seems that way. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I I finished my undergrad. The whole time we've been married, I've I've basically been in school. I finished my undergrad um, looking into the dental field and. Yeah. Um, uh, didn't get into dental school, ended up going into dental hygiene, and that's where I'm at right now. I'm actually graduating my dental hygiene program um, next, well, yeah, in like a month and a half, six mm -hmm. weeks. So we're almost done, and cool. I hope to never find myself in school again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and Rochelle, do you, do you work, go to school? I do. I work. I own my own companies. Um, one of them is called Hair at Home, and I travel to my clients' homes and do their hair. And my sweet little boy comes with me, so we have a lot of fun. Wow. And then um, I professionally sing, so I wow. sing wow. events, pretty much anything that anyone wants to pay me. <laughs> 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 that. 
and I'm also a princess, so Princess Celeste, and I grew up with all the other princesses and sing their songs. How so, awesome! Birthday yeah, princess. if you if yeah. you want to check, did you hire? Yeah, can you yeah, come to Utah plug, to where my yeah. six year old daughter's <laughs> birthday? Plug, plug your web. Do you have a website? Plug your. No, website. I do. It's uh, com. So pretty simple. It's just my name. R I C H E L L E. Correct. B A I N E S. Yes. Love okay. it. That's her. That's her music website. And then. And then I have a hair website, obviously, because right. I'm a cosmetologist who travels <laughs> home. So I'm pretty unique, I guess, in that sense, because I don't really know many people with my type of hair. Wow, you do people's hair. That's <laughs> the magic comedy. Oh, it's like a twenty-five percent discount if you. Can. Yeah. <laughs> I used to sing at a restaurant for like over ten years, and I met a few of my clients there that knew that I could professionally sing and knew the quality of sound I had. And so they would ask me to sing <laughs> and it, it calms me like doing the hair it just calms me. But um, honestly, I think I sang more to my clients when my son was a little baby to calm mm-hmm. him down yeah. um, if he was upset or something, but not really. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'll, I'll tell you what. There you go. There's your million dollar idea. At the uh, <laughs> your couple thousand dollar idea. If you want to sing the buffer of the the tightrope song, we'll put that at the end of the episode. We should totally do it. Yes, know. we'd love it. If you want to. Oh, I will. I just don't know it. Walk us up to about six months ago. Kind of what what did that beginning stages of the what spawned this? What was the catalyst for for the how would you describe it, Colton? I, I'm stumbling over my words because so many people don't like to use the term faith crisis. Mm-hmm. They like to say transition or I discovered the truth or uh, I don't know. How would you frame it? What, what was it like for you? Yeah, so I, I don't mind describing the actual event in terms of kind of the initiation of everything as being a faith crisis. You know, I mean, it like it, you just, you don't know where to turn. You don't know what to think. You don't know. So you really are in a crisis. You know, you're just looking to, to find anything you can hold on to. Right. So I don't, I don't, I'm not opposed to describing the initial event as being a faith crisis. And then I would say that evolves into a faith transition mm-hmm. is kind of how I, I use those terms. So yeah, I'll share mine. And then if Rochelle wants to add her perspective, she can, but um, I, so I was really it really devout in the church. I was a really strong member. I would say consider myself as being, I took um, my callings really seriously, you know, grew up in the church with my parents. I, I would say that I had my own kind of conversion experience while I was at BYU, my first year uh, of BYU um, before my mission. I didn't want to go on a mission without being able to teach people and say like that I had gone through a conversion experience. So that was, that was big for me going on my mission was to be able to share that with people and, and have that. Um, served my mission in 2008, 2010 in uh, Puerto Rico. And uh, so I learned Spanish there, which was great. Um, loved everything about my mission. I really did. I loved the people, loved my companions. Um, every experience was just phenomenal. I, I really look back on it fondly, even now. A lot of people would describe themselves as having like shelf items or you know, things like that that kind of led up to their shelf crashing or having that, that crisis of faith or that questioning going on. I didn't have any of that. I really didn't. I was very happy with where I was. I felt like I knew, you know, what I needed to know. Um, <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't a, a question for me. Um, so when I won't get a lot into details. I know we like to keep this sure. short. I'll just say when the Saints book released, I was very excited to get into it. I had never really been excited for church history growing up. You know, I have I have ancestors that go back to pioneer times, so I know a lot of their stories, but I never really got into that history very much in terms of just um, the church as a whole. And uh, kind of right off the bat with Saints, there are just some things in there that kind of, I was like, wow, that's very different from what, what I know. And, uh, you know, just kind of led to me going on the church website and reading a lot of things like the gospel topics essays and all that kind of stuff and kind of just went from there. So that, so when that first started happening and I was starting to have some concerns, there were about three days, Rochelle knows <laughs> when something's wrong or I'm really thinking about something. Cause I'll, I kind of get really quiet. I'm really um, kind of introspective and I just 
will think a lot. And so there were about three days there, I think a whole weekend where I just was thinking (laughs) about everything, you know, and kind of what to do. Do I tell Rochelle what's going on, all this kind of stuff. And ultimately uh, it led to us having a conversation Monday morning, right before school where I let her know that I was kind of struggling with some things um, and literally just broke down in tears in the middle of the kitchen. (laughs) Uh, Just completely lost it. Right. You know, and I'm like trying to get out the door to go to school at the same time. So that was a wonderful Monday morning. Yeah. Both of us. So one, one second, Colton, if you don't mind. So Rochelle, that Monday morning happens, he comes to you, you know, that he's been thinking or just, I won't put words in your mouth. What are you thinking? Like, you know, did you know something had been going on and then he opens up to you? What was, what was that like? Um, I knew that something was happening. Uh, just like Colton said, he um, was very quiet. And when he's like that, I tried to let him figure things out. I know eventually he'll tell me or I hope he will. And when he started talking to me that morning, he told me how he was feeling, his new perspective. And honestly... I wasn't so much listening to the words that he was saying. I was more just feeling more in tune with how he was feeling. I honestly just felt like, you know, he's hurting inside. I just need to comfort him. Whatever it is, we can figure it out. But he's really hurting right now. And so for me, I just went over to him, gave him a big hug, kiss, and just, I'm here for you. I support you, whatever it is that you're going through. I'm, I'm here. Um, so for me, the biggest focus has just always been on his emotions because I can connect with those and I can understand what pain is and hurt and, you know, disappointment or or whatever the emotions he's experiencing. So I just, yeah, I just tried to support that. Yeah. Colton, in that conversation was there where that initial conversation was, did you share like any details or was it in, in general, this is. Yeah. So I did a little bit and it was mainly just because I didn't know how else really to say it. Like, you know, it's like, how do I say that I'm having questions about my faith without connecting that to a specific issue? Yeah. So I did, I shared, I shared a little bit uh, about major point that I was kind of struggling with. And that really was the only one that I had come across at the time. I mean, it was just really one thing that I had come across that weekend that had got me thinking like, where do I go from here? Do I continue to study? Do I, do I just push it off to the side? Like, I don't know what to do. Um, so I did share a little bit with Rochelle, but mainly I, I did share mostly just kind of like why I was struggling with it emotionally. Uh-huh. Um, and like why it was bothering me, why it was, why I felt hurt by it. And yeah, I mean, her response was just, you know, it was totally just, I'm here to support you. You know, I, I can, it was really just, I can see that you're hurting and that you need me to be there for you right now. After that, it becomes very muddy as to like what happened the next couple of days. So it moves fast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 So I, I mean, I hadn't made any major decisions or anything. I literally that morning, it was just me. It was all just my emotions kind of coming to a head about what I was feeling and Rochelle kind of being there to receive them. The best right. Yeah. Rochelle, what you've shared so far is, is awesome. I mean, everything you're going to share is going to be awesome. But <laughs> what you've shared so far of the, the, the emotional, you just saw that you needed to support him emotionally. Was there any part of you that was, that was fearful or like, I've got to fix this for him or get him in contact with someone to fix it? Or were you just so focused on, he's hurting, I need to help my, my, my little guy. What did you call him? <laughs> <laughs> little up. My little pup, my little, little pup. He's only three years older than me, so it's not like that. <laughs> but hey, new return missionary no, to like... seasoned singles woman. That's a that's a big guy. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I definitely had, and still have a lot of fear of the unknown and concerns. I feel like I grounded myself more in what I believe 
what I believe in. Um, I also, I think I was very fearful of how are we going to raise our son like this and my next one. (laughs) And um, just, I think those were kind of my biggest concerns. And I, I mean, they still are because it's so unknown, you know, before all this happened, our relationship and our spiritual um, level it was just there. And I guess you could say there was control <laughs> on what was happening in our life. And now right. it kind of feels we more knew. out of control. Yeah. 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 Okay. This is where now we're going to go to the temple this week and, you know, we're going to go to right. church. And, right. Um, so now there's just so many unknowns. I think that's probably what I struggle with most and definitely struggled with then. Colton, I have learned that it really comes down to, supporting each other's emotions. And when you focus on that, um, you don't really need to get down into the details of why you feel a certain way or what that doctrine is or anything like that. But instead it's just supporting how they're feeling. Well, and I can, I can share a couple of things that helped us come to that realization. First, like first off, we were already planning on furthering our family. So trying to get pregnant, have another baby, you know, at some point. So like, right as this is all happening with me and I'm thinking about everything, we're like in the midst of trying to get pregnant again. And, and, and so that was another thing that was kind of running through my mind is I was like, here we are like trying to bring, you know, a baby into a family that we, we thought we had all the answers for. And now I'm, you know, coming in with who knows what. And, uh, yeah. And so that was, that was really tough. But for me in sharing what I was going through with Rochelle, the biggest thing, you know, there were a couple of things that when I was in the church, um, and, and I was a fully believing member that I kind of almost was a little prideful of in terms of paying tithing and being honest. Cause I felt like those were two things that in terms of exact obedience, I felt like I could fulfill, you know, like if I could be honest with people, that was something that was 100% within my control and uh, I could pay my tithing. And that was also 100% within my control. And, you know, there's so many things that you're always striving to be good at in gospel living. And a lot of times you fall short, but those were two things that I knew that I could fulfill 100%. And so I kind of prided myself on the fact that when I was in a temple interview and they asked me if I was honest with people, I could say yes. And so that was a a big driving factor in terms of my conversation with Rochelle and really early on kind of opening up to her about what was happening. And I think that was reciprocated from her as well, where we right off the bat, we're all, we've always been really open and honest in our communication. And we learned really early on in our marriage, kind of, we made it a point to learn how each other communicates. Um, and how do you, how do you navigate difficult conversations? And, and how does each person approach that? And how do they kind of do that? And all that kind of stuff. So we feel like we've learned pretty well how to do that with each other. When you are navigating this, the important thing is to recognize that you can have a difficult conversation about what you are going through without opening up a theological debate. Right. Going through this experience right off the bat, I started seeking out, seeking out as many sources as I could um, of just how do you navigate this? How do, how do I navigate this? Because I'm the one, you know, that's, that's bringing something new to the table here. Um, and one of the biggest things that I found in a lot of forums and um, Facebook groups and things like that was just first and foremost, be open and honest in your conversation and don't try to get your spouse to see what you see. You know, it just, it doesn't work like there it's, it's yeah. Or fix them. And that goes from, from both sides, you know, like the person that's, that's doubting or that's having doubts or questions, don't try to get them that you're, believing spouse to understand where you're coming from because they won't understand and vice versa. You know, the, the more that the believing spouse tries to get the other person to just not question it, it just adds enmity to both scenarios. It's not a good, it's not a good equation. Right. It's great that you're being open and honest with each other. Do you feel there are things that you still can't talk about with him? Do you know everything that, I mean, what the stuff that he has shared with you, has it been easy to listen to? Um, have, how have you taken that basically? So we learned early on, I think it was just a couple of weeks after this happened, Colton was listening to a certain podcast that, that shared the 
boat analogy. Yeah, I'll share it really quick. There's it's a really good. There's this is probably episode. what helped us the most. So I found probably about two weeks after um, that initial weekend, that initial breakdown. And mind you, well, hold on. Before that, you were sharing. Colton was sharing some things that he had learned, and I, I want to be supportive, so I would read them and learn about these same topics and what they revealed. We didn't get very far into it, though. I mean, it was very surface level. Um, yeah. you know, I'm also pregnant and emotional. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I well, get that. Yeah. Well, so, but really, I mean, even without that, early on, we kind of we started to recognize, like, when we did try to have those conversations, it just wasn't jiving. Like, there was a disconnect there. So, mm-hmm. I was really kind of like all of a sudden just trying to find how do I how do I talk because we you know, we talk all the time. We talk about everything and we've always been on the same page. And so how do we approach this where we can still have conversations? So I was looking all over the place and um, I don't remember how I found it, but I found the Mormon Stories podcast. I was really hesitant to get into it because I didn't know what to expect. Right? That's not that John Dolan. He's just like rascal. Like, yeah, like, I don't know what's going on here. The only ones that I really started listening to were, I, I only listened to the episodes in the series that had to deal with mixed faith marriage. Um, and I can't remember specifically the couple's name, but there was one where they shared uh, some counsel that John DeLynn had given to them in, an, in a couple's uh, therapy session that he had had personally with them where he had, they were in their mixed faith marriage and he had described that for the believing spouse, it's, it's like you two are in a boat and the person that's questioning is standing up in the boat and freaking out because they see sharks in the water, right? And they're trying to point out the sharks and they're rocking the boat because they're scared and all this kind of stuff. And the believing member, all they care about is staying in the boat. So they hold on tighter because the boat's rocking and they don't want to fall out and they can sense that there's danger, but they don't want to sense that they don't want to fall out. So they just, they grab on and they hold on tighter. Um, and so it becomes this battle of, of one person trying to point out the sharks in the water and the other person just holding on tighter and, and trying to say that. And that kind of, that really kind of opened our eyes to what was happening with those conversations where if I tried to share something and point something that I perceived as being not good or dangerous or whatever, then it just rocked the boat. And to the point that Rochelle would just, I'd buckle down even more. Yeah, she would just buckle down. So, and later... You can feel yourself do that. Right. And I could see her doing that. Later, we learned that's the backfire effect. You know, it's a psychological effect. That was the kind of the metaphor that really opened our eyes to like, holy cow, okay, this is what's happening when we have these conversations and we need to change the way that we approach those conversations. So... Right after that, which was only a few weeks after all of this started, um, we stopped talking about anything doctrinally or theologically related really to the church, with the exception of Rochelle asking me, like, where do you stand on this? And how are we going to approach this in the future with our children? Okay, so let's, uh, let's get into that question that we teased before. Because I have a listener who contacted me and said, with my first child, I feel like I have a say in how, how he or she is brought up because we were on the same page when, when that baby was born. But I'm pregnant now and I'm about to have another baby and I feel like I don't have a say in whether this child gets to be 100% go to with me to church and be active. And I, he, she said, you know, I feel like there's give and take there and it really makes me nervous and I'm really worried about it. Have you had those thoughts, Rochelle? Oh, yes. Oh, <laughs> All the time. And being pregnant, <laughs> the motions run pretty high. So I might be repeating my questions daily to Colton because <laughs> I need what the insurance. But what are the, some of those questions? Um, what was oh, man. asked me the other day? I ask you a lot of questions. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, I think for her, I understand 100% what she is going through, especially us being pregnant and we'll have to bring this um, little baby into the world. 
And um, I guess I, I also feel pretty lucky because Colton um, and I are pretty open and still want to be on the same page with raising our new little one, like through prayer. And I think it's asking those questions, you know, what are you okay with us doing? Or it's not so, that's the wrong way to phrase it. Um, what are you comfortable with? You know, does it make you feel uncomfortable when we have family prayer together? If it does, then I will do it with my son and you can leave the room because I think it's important for him to know his heavenly father. And so I feel like just communicating those thoughts, that would be a question. My biggest question for Colton is, you know, what do you feel comfortable with? And, you know, do you feel comfortable sharing um, certain things or do you feel comfortable participating in certain things? And I mean, we're still doing, we're doing come follow me with our two-year-old and we plan to do that with the next one, you know, as a family. And um, it's just really, she needs to ask those questions and, you know, make sure that there's an open mind for both of them that they can understand where each other stands and still compromise. Um, Cause there's that big, big compromise, but it's making sure that you both still feel comfortable and eventually maybe he will want to join or them in their nightly family prayer or whatever it is. Well, and I'll share, you know, like a lot of, a lot of our, the questions that Rochelle asks me, I always have, I, Try, I really try to be as objective as possible when I think about things. Um, I removed myself from a lot of political discussions a number of years ago because I just found it so difficult to navigate in an objective manner that it just was so frustrating to me. And so I actually, I would say that that actually kind of set a little bit of a foundation for me, at least in terms of right now, where just because I've gone through a huge transition, going through that transition, there's no way to go through it without some negative feelings, right? Like it just, it happens. Um, I haven't attended church for a while now and because I have legitimate anxiety. I mean, I've had mornings where I literally am completely ready to walk out the door and I can't even step outside the house to go to church, you know, and that's really, really hard. Um, but for me, and this was also something probably right off the bat, I think one of the first questions you asked me along those lines, Katie, was, um, well, do you want our kids raised in the church? And my response was, I want them to make that choice. <laughs> um, Which I, I agree with that. I, I think developing your own testimony and your own path is extremely important. And we felt that way even before this whole thing happened. We wanted our children to develop their own faith on on their own time, obviously give them the tools um, and we will still give them the tools, but we want them to make that choice. Right. And so for me, for now, like I don't have anything against um, spirituality or praying or anything like that. I mean, if, if, anybody wants to practice that and Rochelle wants to keep doing that. I support her wholeheartedly in doing that because she finds peace there. And, um, you know, it's, it's the, I, I would say the interesting thing is that for the person that's gone through the faith transition and I would encourage people that have been through this faith transition to remember this, you have the unique perspective of knowing how you would have reacted had the other person gone through a transition when you were believing. Right. You that's that's a unique perspective that you have because you can see it from both sides of the fence. Like I know that when, when I, you know, I have family and friends that have left the church before and, and I know as a believing member, some of the thoughts or emotions or things that I had in regards to those people. Um, and so I can, I can project that. I can understand that from Rochelle's perspective, what it feels like for her to be having these conversations now that I'm kind of on a different path. And so I would encourage people that have been through a faith transition, maybe the non-believing spouse to remember that it's easy to be, to jump to the, well, I'm the one that's hurting. I'm the one that, you know, is, is their world has collapsed and all that kind of stuff. But you have a little bit of power in the sense that you can see it from where you were. That's part of not rocking the boat. That's yeah. part of thinking about how this is impacting the other person. Yeah. Right. In my opinion, when we first got married, I knew exactly what I wanted in a spouse and I knew exactly, you know, all the, he had all the right answers to all my questions. So when we had a kid, I knew what we were going to do. There was no unknown. I mean, we were going to have family and evening every week. We were going to go to church 
this, our child's going to serve a mission, you know, all these things. And not only just that, but how do we discipline the kid and, you know, do we change how we do it or still in a Christ-like manner, you know, all these things I knew. So with his transition, is that you want me to say? Sure. Yeah. Um, with his transition, well, all that has changed. So now it's navigating. Well, where are you at now? What do you feel now? And I have waited probably, you know, six months <laughs> um, to ask these questions only because I wanted him to figure out what he believes in, figure out what he wants out of life. And once he does that, now I can actually act and we can apply um, what we want. And so for me, I mean, it, it comes down to everything, discipline down to teaching, you know, how you have to understand when I dated people, I asked probably a zillion questions and I'm not even being facetious. I really did because I wanted to know who they were. I wanted to know how their mind worked and their mind has changed. So now it's navigating that and it's even as simple as, okay, so do you feel comfortable going to church? If not, okay, well then do you feel comfortable doing this? You know, I never want to push Colton somewhere that he is not ready for. Just like he's not pushing me somewhere that I'm not ready to go, where I'm not ready to go. Right. Yeah, I think um, also yeah, maybe a couple of months ago, we came across something. It might've been on the mixed faith marriage Facebook group. I think huh. maybe it was right on there. Um, but just talking, there was some marriage counsel that was provided talking about how every couple goes through being married to three different people essentially in their life, you know, when they first get married and then 15, 20 years down the road, and then the person that they're with uh, at the end of their marriage, you know, later on in life. And I think that also kind of helped us where, you know, Rochelle's the kind of person where she wants to have the next 10 years, like Planned literally out. written down in a book, like on the calendar with everything that's going to happen. And that's just how she is. We are one of the same, Rochelle. <laughs> My sister. <laughs> you see this whiteboard behind me? I have one in every oh, yes. room and it has the schedule for oh, I everybody. So I yes. guess. Yeah. I and I'm, I'm, I would say that probably one of the, one of the greater life lessons I learned on my mission was that plans fail more often than they succeed. Which and I think we all learned that on our yeah, mission. I mean, you all learn but, it, but yeah, right. yeah, I mean, it's, and, and I really stuck that. I, I keep that mentality in a lot of things. So she'll ask me questions like, well, what do you want to do when Killian's eight? You know? Oh yeah. I ask and, a lot of those questions. Like, like, yeah, of course. Uh, it's a legitimate question because it's like, well, where do you stand right now in terms of our kids? And it getting, could change. Right. But at baptized. least right now I'm like, okay, if that's where you stand, great. I can deal with that, but I need to know. Right. But, and I'll, you know, I'll usually almost always kind of preface the question with saying like, well, you know, I don't want you to sound like this is an absolute because who knows where we're going to be in six years, you know, who knows what's going to be happening um, with everything. But ultimately, it always comes back to me. And this is what we agreed on really early was when our kids make decisions, they will be informed 100%. I mean, they'll know everything there is to know to make that decision, yeah. the good, the bad, and the ugly. And that doesn't mean that we're either one of us is going to try to persuade them one way or the other. You know, I'm not going to present issues that I have with church history or, or from a with the church from a perspective. that's like, Oh yeah, you really shouldn't join or you really shouldn't be a member first because I just hate conflict and I'm not that kind of person. So I just, I can't do that. Um, but it's also not my place. You know, I, especially going through what I've gone through, I feel even more strongly that everybody should be empowered to make their own decision. And, and from the church's narrative to be able to use their agency, right. To, to make their own decisions. And, and that requires us both being honest with our own beliefs, where we stand, why we might believe that way. Um, but to present it in a way that's informative and not necessarily persuasive. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I have another question. Sure. Maybe it's for both of you. I want to know from Michelle though. So aside from communication, cause it doesn't sound like you have family support because they don't know, right? <laughs> they don't know. I, I'm actually really looking forward. <laughs> I mean, I can't say I'm looking forward to it. Maybe it's just cause I just want it out there. Yeah, of course. But we will this week. <laughs> oh, this week this you're going to talk to when this comes out. 
it all comes down to your editing yeah. time frame. <laughs> <laughs> um, so no rush huh? no just joking uh once this podcast is aired we will write a letter to my family and i it'll be interesting just, it'll be interesting yeah we'll you can kind of cut that <laughs> he my and you know you can keep this in or you don't but maybe they need to hear this i don't feel like my family's a very supportive family when it comes to their faith and their family life and pretty much just us as a relationship they haven't been very supportive of which is crazy because I think we have a very good relationship my sister's not a member and I don't feel like they were very it took them a very long time to eventually support her Um, I feel like that's probably going to be the same I hope that (laughs) that they're supportive but to be honest I I would be surprised if they were we'll put it that way which yeah. kind of sucks is for me, I don't really have anyone to talk to. I haven't had anyone to talk to these six months. This is kind of our first time for, for me even opening up and talking about this other than with Colton. And so it would be nice to have that type of support. And I think, honestly, I really think it will come down to, well, why are you staying with him? You shouldn't be with him. You know, that type of thing. And I think that's something that I want to yeah yeah exactly like I just I I love my husband and he makes me a better person every day and why would I want to change that why would I want to get rid of that and try to go find someone else that's as good as him no there's no one you know I know that this is something that you guys have mentioned before but we feel the same way as we felt before this like we we did we felt like we had a, a wonderful relationship a wonderful marriage I mean we honestly we, this is no joke. We can say that in being married, we've only had like one argument that actually got to like a shouting match. And it was within like our first few months of being married. And it was over uh, whether or not we threw out a A plastic pitcher. pitcher. (laughs) (laughs) But the biggest thing is, so, you know, one, one major shouting match in, in being married almost eight years. I feel like that's a pretty good track record, right? But so we felt really good. I mean, we, we were like on track. We were doing what we were supposed to be doing. And yeah, it was just perfect. So you would think that something like this, and sometimes it does, unfortunately, and, and my heart goes out to those that have gone through this and have it kind of end really ugly. But we feel closer now in our relationship than we ever thought would have been possible, especially given the circumstances. Mm -hmm. I mean, and that just sounds, that sounds, especially from a believer's standpoint, it's like, that's impossible. I'm sorry. There's no way. And it's like, no, we really do. Yeah. The emotional connection that has come out of it with some of these conversations that we've had is just amazing. I mean, it really has been amazing to connect on a level that we didn't realize we needed to connect on. Mm -hmm. Right. No, that's, that's awesome. And we, I mean, I, clearly we feel the same way. We've mm-hmm. talked about that quite a bit and that's, it's kind of like a, it's paradoxical. It doesn't seem like it, it should really be that way, but it absolutely is. And it, it's not that you, I think it was Nathan and Gina talked about it. It's not that you like given the chance to do it all over again, you would choose for this to happen <laughs> but, <laughs> right, because it's hard and it's tough. But <laughs> now that it has happened, it's like, man, we're, we're a lot closer yeah. than than we yeah. were before uh it forces the relationship something that i've really seen just the way that you communicate and and the message that you're sharing is that i think that you're in a similar place that we were in when we talked to our family where it's so important to to have security in your relationship when you introduce other loved ones into the equation because there was no point no matter how my side of the family or Katie's side of the family reacted I I was not in a place where I felt threatened by that, that something would happen to our relationship. It didn't matter what they said. Katie and I were already in a good place before we went to the, to the family. Right. So it doesn't matter how that they react. I mean, it, it matters, but as far as our relationship goes, it, it wasn't was, going to sway us one way or the no, other. No, it, it was it yes. really, it turned, into, it turned into a us conversation of how are we going to salvage our relationship with them? If, mm-hmm. if certain things are said and what's the best way for us to do this? Mm-hmm. Right, Rochelle, you had a thought. No, I was just, I was agreeing. <laughs> yeah, oh, good. I'm so agreeing. Colton, you, you mentioned earlier that you did talk to your parents. Yeah, do you want to talk about that experience at all or not? 
yeah, I, I will. I mean, I think there's no easy way to to go about it. I, you know, I won't go into a whole lot of details, but like I mentioned, you know, there are some other family members of my mom's side of the family that are not members of the church or have left the church. And, and I have seen how that impacted her and some of the emotions that she's had with that. And so it was, uh, it was really hard to, to do that. Um, but the bigger thing for me is that I just felt like I was being so like untrue. I was just, yeah. Like, like being where I was and cause I have a really good relationship with my parents. I talk to them all the time and you know, they're, they're very approachable. I've always been able to talk to them about all kinds of things. And, and, but I knew, I mean, I knew that it would just be devastating. And, and I knew that because it was, it was completely devastating to me. I mean, it's, you know, I think, and you see this all the time, but I think one of the greatest misconceptions about people that go through what I've been through is that they're just, they're looking for a way out or they want something easy or, you know, it's all these kinds of things. And it's just, no, like this is, this is harder than anything, anything that I can imagine. It really, you know, um, I, it's right up there with losing a family member. It is so devastating. And so I knew going into it that it was going to be really, really challenging. I sourced as much as I could about the best way about going about it, (laughs) which I don't think matters because there's, again, there's no good way of doing it, you know? So I had, I sent them a letter that was fairly straightforward, um, kind of letting them know where I was at beforehand. Unfortunately, that letter didn't get to them until the night before we were supposed to see them for a dinner (laughs) um and and they caught it late that night before thanksgiving dinner yeah and and then you know we had we we talked with them after and it just it it didn't go well it was horrible guys (laughs) i mean at the same and the hardest thing is it's like it's really hard that it didn't go well you know, especially for me, because if not, I don't want anything more than just the love and support of my family. Right. But the really hard part about it is that I can see it from their perspective, kind of like what I was talking about earlier. Like I can see what would that be like if my grown son came to me and told me that they rejected everything that I had taught them and felt so strongly about in my life, you know, and I think that was, that compounds the difficulty of it is being able to, to see that from their, their point of view. And Colton, you're, you're so much more empathetic than I am. Yeah, you are. <laughs> the, the way, well, don't but, dog pile on me. Well, <laughs> <laughs> it's a very subtle difference, but it's actually not very subtle because what you're, what you just mentioned is, you know, I can see how much that would hurt on their side and what I've experienced is like, I know what's going through their mind and I want to fight it. Right. I want to fight like, like no mom or no dad. Well, not in my case, but no parents. <laughs> no, I, I'm not lazy. Like this is not what's going on. And they're going to think that I just like something else is going on. So I have to make sure that they only think that I'm happy. So every time I talk to them, I'm going to be super cheerful. And you're, you're taking the perspective of, I understand how they feel and it's very it's very hard not to take the perspective of I have to fight against what I'm afraid they're going to think, think about me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean there's I still have had those moments. It's I, I sure. think it's inevitable because you know a lot of the cultural narrative within the the church of people that stop believing is just that they are now evil. <laughs> you know, like it's just now they're just bad people. Um, and I know a lot of people would be like, oh, that's not true. But it, it really is. That narrative exists. And, and I know the kinds of things that they would be thinking again, because I've been in, not in their shoes, but I've been on the other side of it with seeing somebody leave. And I know the kinds of thoughts that you have. Um, so no, I mean, I've had my moments where I'm just like, I have to be, you know, I can't... <laughs> I don't want our life to look like it's falling apart in any way because I don't want them to feel like we're being God's punishing us because of my decisions or anything like that. You know, it's a lot of my issues with what I came across in the church were driven by 
what I believed about in God and Jesus Christ and how they would feel about these things. Like, I, and that's, you know, I, I, and again, that's probably coming back to that empathetic type standpoint, but I always was like, you know, when I, when we first got married and Rochelle would ask me questions about like, well, how do we want to raise our son? Or if we have this challenge with our kids, what are we going to do? And I'd say, well, what would God do? Like, how would he approach it? And that would be like the leading thing into it. And so that kind of mindset and relationship is really what drove a lot of my decision-making through this process. But still, I mean, it's really hard to not have those things where you're like, oh, I just have to be happy all the time because right. I don't want people to see me as, as being, you know, the lights left your eyes and that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, one of the letters from my parents kind of said that. And I, I did, I kind of, I responded and I was like, if I seem like, you know, Eeyore here, like super down and depressed and dark, it's because I'm super down and depressed. I'm going through the most challenging thing I've ever been through. I've never been more depressed in my life. You know, nothing even compares to this is the most challenging thing I've ever been through. You know, we're, we're reaching that time and... <laughs> And we could talk for another hour and we don't have to end in the next 30 seconds or anything, but you know, when you were thinking about this, especially when you at the very beginning talked about, you know, this is why we wanted to do it. This is, this is part of your coming out to, to people that are close to you. Well, I want to make sure like in your preparation or in the discussions of what do we want to talk about? What are things we want to say? We want to make sure you have that opportunity to say some of those things. So if it wasn't prompted by a question for us, are there, is there anything that you've thought of like, Ooh, I want to make sure that we talk about this. Um, for like those that might listen to our story. Yeah. Or any, any, anything else that, that, yeah, whether it's for people that have listened or I was hoping we would talk about this. Going through this experience, I think I've learned a lot of not only my perspective, but from an unbelievers perspective and it's really helped me um, mentor some other women where their child has left the church or um, something like that. So I, I guess for me, one of the biggest things I would want people to, a believer to understand is how much their child or spouse or whoever is becoming the unbeliever is hurting inside. Because most believers, all they see are, you know, they see the anger or they see the depression, the, the depression or um, the rebellion. Um, that's really what they see. But if we just take a deeper look and realize that they're hurting inside, our perspective all of a sudden changes. And we realize that, you know, we love this person. We would want to help them that if they're hurting. When I help them understand that, it helps them see I guess you could say more of a Christ-like love for their family member mm -hmm. instead of being taking everything personally. That's great. Yeah. yeah, that makes complete sense. That's that's a good message. Absolutely. It's super easy for both sides to take it personally. Oh, right of off course. The bat and, and just to immediately. Yeah. And so I think for us, our biggest message is just making sure that you look at, you look from their perspective and realize that, that they're experiencing pain as well as you and understanding that can help you, I don't know, address the challenges that you're facing. Yeah. Well, and again, just again, like you don't have to know the exact problem they have and to be able to empathize with them. Right. Yeah. Colton, any last words from you? Anything else you want to say? In all honesty, I think all the time, even what, what this would have been like to go through on my own, I don't think I could have done it without her. I, I know I couldn't have done it without her. I mean, it was, she just naturally is such an incredibly loving person. Um, her heart just goes out to everybody. A lot of times too much because she burns herself out. <laughs> but that's just who she is. And I, I cannot... It, express enough my love and my gratitude to her for just being supportive in this. You know, I, I think going into talking with family and friends and all that kind of, kind of stuff, it's at least where I, where I stand and what I feel is that I know that there's going to probably be some hurt. There will be some hurt there. Not probably there will be, but ultimately I don't, I don't mind. I'm, I'm happy 
with Rochelle. I'm glad to have her with me. Our son is amazing. I look forward to our second son um, since we know that it's a boy. And uh, we're super excited for that. And we're just, we're really excited. It just gives me a lot of hope going through this for the future because we know that something that can be so devastating can just bring you so much closer together. And I look forward to any other challenges that might come across. I know there's going to be a lot, you know, as long as we're in a mixed faith marriage, it's going to be a challenge when we have conversations about raising children, when we have conversations about family events that might be church related, all those kinds of things. But honestly, in the conversations that we've had so far, I look forward to having those conversations in the future because it just brings us closer together. Absolutely. I love when, when Katie brings this, the stuff up because Colton, I'm with you. I, I don't bring stuff up <laughs> that much anymore. And so when she says, when she starts the question of, you know, what do you think about this? Or what are we going to do about that? And I go, ooh, 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 ooh. Let's talk. Let's talk. He's overly <laughs> eager. I'm like, you got five minutes. <laughs> now, um, Colton and Rochelle, thank you so much for, for, for coming on. And in fact, well, I'll just say this. Best of luck in the coming weeks, because I know that the next coming weeks are, are big talking to some loved ones and uh, we will absolutely follow up with you yeah. just on a personal level to, to, to see how everything went. If you want to talk through anything, uh, not saying we need to get back on the microphone, but if you would like to, to kind of share that experience too, don't want to scare your family off, but <laughs> we'd, uh, we'd uh, love, love to hear how it went. I, I will say this. And for those that are beyond the six month point, like Katie and I are, but we're still pretty new at this, but yeah, you guys are awesome. You're, you are in such a better place than we were at the six month point. By the time we started recording this podcast, we were at the one year point. Yeah. So six months before that, oh my gosh, we were a mess. And <laughs> you guys just kudos to you for both having such a good empathetic is the, I think the key word for me that, that I got from, from your guys' story. So yeah. thank you so much for sharing. Thank well, you. honestly, we have to give a lot of credit to you guys, mm-hmm. to be you guys honest. Helped us. Um, I mean, we, I found, <laughs> you know, I found the Mormon Stories podcast and, and listened to a lot of those episodes regarding mixed faith marriages and how to navigate them. And then, and then I was just trying to find anything I could and I came across you guys. And uh, oh. so I, I, I mean, we, we both binge listened to your podcast. You know, we had what, nine, nine months to listen to you guys <laughs> there is a lot of a lot of stuff we just really appreciate what you guys have said and yes. and you for you guys being so vulnerable with how you have navigated this because there's a lot of I think a lot of wisdom that has come out of that that has allowed us to hopefully be at a better place earlier because of the work that you guys have put in so we really do really appreciate it very nice of you well thank you hopefully anyone that you're able to share this with colton and rochelle we really want it to be a safe place for people at every stage of belief to to be able to listen to and and learn something and and reach out to someone that's hurting that they may know that is is in a difficult position with their faith I'm glad that that resonated with you guys. So thank you again. Your story was awesome. Uh, it's not over. None of ours is. No. And Colton, you look forward to to those moments with with, with Rochelle more than we do because you're married. But we look forward to them too. <laughs> so we'll uh, we'll absolutely stay in touch. But again, thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you guys. Thank you. This has been Marriage on a Tightrope. Uh, you can follow us, uh, like Katie mentioned at the beginning of the episode, you can follow us on Facebook at the Marriage on a Tightrope podcast group and also on Instagram. Yeah, Marriage on a Tightrope. And email us at, guess what the email is? Marriage on a Tightrope at gmail.com. We have all this. We need to create a Twitter account. We haven't done that yet. Oh my gosh, I hate Twitter. Awkward. No, I'm not doing it. <laughs> uh, we're on Tinder at Marriage. No, no, no. no. Uh, <laughs> thanks so much. Um, we have um, another interview set up uh, for next week, yes, so you'll you'll hear that here soon. I have some ideas for some difficult topics that we can we can talk about, and oh, Colton geez. and Rochelle. I don't know. Maybe uh, you would be interested in in a few teasers. So. One is media choices. Something that Katie and I still have a difficult time with is the media that I consume versus the media. The lack of media I consume. (laughs) We have a couple of shows we watch together and then I have a lot of shows and movies that I watch on my own. The other is- I'm a reader. I like to read. 
Well, it's the content in the movies that we're going to be talking about. Mm-hmm. And uh, the other is um, alcohol. We're going, oh. to talk, we're going to talk about alcohol. Are we? Yeah, we are. What are we going to talk about? Uh, just, you know, what we think. I still haven't drank, but we're going to talk about that. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's about the short of it, isn't it? It'll be a short episode. <laughs> Oh, I don't know. I don't know about Rochelle, but I I think we would both be totally okay with doing yeah, another episode to. whenever. Or Sweet. Just, yeah, Perfect. Up. We'll follow up with you guys in a few weeks. Yeah. And, and again, best of luck, and thank you everybody for listening. And we'll see you next time. Hand in my hand, and you promise to never let go. We're walking a tightrope high in the sky. We can see the whole world down below. me if I should fall. Well, it's all an adventure that comes with a breathtaking view. Walking a tightrope.